Welcome to Slow and Steady, the podcast where you get to follow along as we build products in public. Each week we'll give an honest peek into our lives as we share our struggles, our wins and everything in between. I'm Benedict and I'm feeling busy. I'm Benedicta. Today is March 22nd and I'm currently in Athens, Greece. This is episode number 130 day, 30 day, 32, and I'm feeling a little insane. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? Why are you feeling insane? <laughs> I'm feeling why I'm feeling insane. Well, last week I was in London. This week I'm in Athens. This weekend I'm going on a mountain uh mount or going to a mountain cabin with a friend and her daughter and my daughter. Then I'm home for the week. And then I'm going to the microconf in microconf micro growth in the US. I YOLO'd an application for a <laughs> diversity ticket and I got it or scholarship and I got it. So it's it's not completely free, nice. but like it's basically free. So I yeah, after two years of no travel, I'm like <laughs> doing my fair <laughs> share of using all that or like, you know, committing all that um uh CO no what was I gonna say? Like uh I'm making up for all my lost chances of being like environmentally unfriendly. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> I got two years of <laughs> like all your of carbon budget for like the last two years has to be used up. I mean, it has I to. See, like otherwise, no. I'm I'm just kidding. But um, it feels <laughs> it feels a little insane. But it also feels really, really good in a like insane in a good way. And. I will probably not be traveling much after this this trip to the U.S. Um, because I need to work, I guess, and and do what I'm supposed to do. Sometimes and you actually have to do the work. Right? Sometimes that's what I'm realizing. Like sometimes you just no. I know that you have to do the work. I just um, and I, as we talked about, like I do that for the queen, right? I have set up my systems and I do all the work on a daily basis. And I'm just realizing that I need to do a lot of the same things for POW, like set up systems. So it's out of kind of my, not out of my control, but out of uh, like a system that is bigger and outside of me so that I can just do the work and then have times where I kind of think more strategically and like be in my own head but when I'm working I need like systems in place the same way I do with the queen stuff because when I do that kind of work I'm very much like I'm not second guessing myself I just like okay I'm gonna write my email I do my email I'm gonna make this sales page you know it's a little boring making the sales page but I just do it but a lot with POW, like I keep second guessing everything I do and like things don't move forward that way. So I kind of need to take my my fears and my emotions and everything out of the POW work as well, even though it's a lot more personal. And I just started rereading The um, War of Art, isn't it, by Stephen Pressfold, where he talks about the resistance and also Seth Godin talk about it. and their point is when you're feeling all the resistance and you're feeling the fear, it's because it's more important to you. And I do <laughs> absolutely feel that, that, uh, but it's hard to know, like, is power, like, is it, you know, fear and procrastination in like, I don't believe in it or I don't want to work on it. Or is it like, you know, procrastination and, and that kind of thing, because I do believe in it so much that I get kind of the fear of, or that resistance um 
Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to read both the Warwart and uh, some of Seth Godin's work again, just to, like, you know. To figure that question out. I think I figured it out. It's definitely <laughs> resistance. I'm, I am 99% sure that it is classic <laughs> Stephen Pressfield resistance uh, slash fair that is holding me back a little bit. And I know that if I create systems and procedures, then I can take a lot of that. It will still be there, but I can counter it with like having well-defined tasks and well-defined kind of um, step-by-step, not goals, but like things I just need to do. And then, mm-hmm. and then maybe give myself set times where it's like, okay, in a month and a half, I'm going to spend the week like thinking more big picture again. And then like, push off all kind of um, second guessing and, and, and changing of direction and all of those things that are basically the resistance trying to (laughs) trip me up Um, and then say like, okay, we're going to do that in a month and a half. Now let's just do the work, you know, slow and steady. Like I've been doing with the queen and just channel that kind of, yeah. Persona. Yeah. Yeah. How's that going? Like, how's that playing into your new, like you having new teammates on on the power team. Yeah, so since I've been on vacation, we haven't gotten so much further on the kind of pie, the pie, <laughs> the slicing of the pie <laughs> that we were talking about. And here in Athens, I'm hanging out with some founders and they're like, no, 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 don't give away any of your company. <laughs> so um, I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking a little bit about that again. Um, I do think though, because I see also the people here, like they have to reply to support emails. They have to like do things um, during are kind of, this is a workation and I've also been working, so that's kind of okay. But last week when I went to London, I set up all the queen emails before I left. And the only thing I had to do was like press merge on the pull requests while I was there. And I could have, you know, automated that as well. Um, And it felt really Mm -hmm. good that like I could leave my computer at home. And it feels like a lot of the more solo founders like yourself, like even though you're two people, <laughs> you're kind of always on on the hook a little bit um, and you can't, you know, take time off. So I guess I have to, yeah, think about like how much of that is important to me and how much I'm willing to kind of share of my pie <laughs> or muffin. <laughs> like if, the little, if I wanted to stay a little muffin and give them some crumbs or like make a big pie and give them, <laughs> yeah, we were, so I'm going, I think this is going to be a theme talking to people at microconf as well about just experiences they've had with working with people and getting people on board and um, yeah, the difference of just like paying them, you know, for their hours or kind of getting them more on board and kind of sharing more of the, the load as, <laughs> or I don't yeah. know, like share more of those um, not so nice parts of, of starting a company on, or if I should just not, and then take that on myself. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's hard. <laughs> and I only have <laughs> like sixty customers. Not <laughs> it's not an easy decision, or yeah, I mean, the problem with decisions like this is you'll not know until like a couple of years down the road, uh, most likely how it how it plays out, and if if it was the right or the wrong decision. So. Yeah, I can see that you're struggling with this a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I was feeling so good. But but sometimes it's also just feeling, sometimes you just have to do something. Like we were like, okay, we're going to you know have Jed on board. We're going to take Ian on board. Um, 
reaching out and kind of said like we're going to be a team um and then we need to figure out like how we're how we're going to work together and like how the pie will be sliced and i must say like having that said and being kind of out there in the open has somehow felt really good like i've felt really good about that decision um mm -hmm. it's going to be hard with the whole pie slicing and like that's annoying but the feeling that they are on board and will hopefully then take ownership, uh, which is kind of the, the point, I guess, of having them be more co-founders than just like paying them for some advice here and there. Um, it sat really good. Like I felt really like the last two weeks, it's felt really good until I met people who are like, never don't do that. Don't do that. You know? Um, <laughs> but some, I was like, sometimes you, I feel like you just have to like pronounce something or say like, or say like, this is going to happen. Like that's what we've decided. And then kind of observe like how you are feeling with that decision. And yeah, it's felt really good. So I don't know, like maybe I want to think bigger than just being, um, just being, you know, a small, like keeping it small. And it, cause if we're going to be four people, it's like, we got to go big, bigger. And how do I feel about that? And it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's felt very calming. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but then of course there can be all kinds of drama down the road because now there's four people and you know it's people don't yeah, always yeah, agree totally. um, um and stuff like that so so yeah gonna feel on this for a little while too more and then look <laughs> at different options and discuss more with the people and also just start doing stuff i just need to start doing doing things something like write a blog post in the like under the POW umbrella or ship like a tiny new feature. Just I need to just start doing stuff so that this resistance will kind of get out of my way. Yeah, yeah. I feel like sometimes that's the hardest part, like just getting getting in motion and like like getting something going is the hardest part. And then once it's like when, once there's a little bit of progress, it gets easier to just keep going and keep going and maybe accelerate. But like the initial, the initial building up that initial momentum is like the hardest part. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's even harder now that I kind of let it go. I had momentum, I let it go. And now it's yeah. like this inertia and it's like, okay, I want to build momentum again and, and a little bit of fear in yourself or like not trusting that I will be able to keep it up this time. Like I don't trust myself as much as I maybe did since I did let this go for a little while. Um, but all of this is solvable by just doing things. I've done this so many times. Like I know exactly what I need to do. And I also know that I have this, this that I do this sometimes where I like go all the way, like I just shut completely down and then I, you know, I think a lot and like journal and talk to people now and and then kind of I emerge and like we're in action, like things are moving along. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. so I'm I'm also confident that it will happen. I just need to, you know, call my own bullshit and do it. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. And I what? I yeah. Yeah, just was, was about to ask what else has been going on in the last two weeks, because it's been a while since we last talked. I mean, I've been on vacation, so <laughs> <laughs> not much has happened. Um, no, so as I said, I've been traveling, and last week we were in London, me and the Pirate Princess, Lillian, 
we also hosted a little bit of a meetup. So I got to meet uh, one of the Slow and Steady listeners, Michael from uh, P PG, PG Mustard, isn't it? One of your favorite yeah. companies. And um, <laughs> for sure. Yes, I was like, you, you need to sponsor us, Michael. I'm just um, <laughs> no, but I said that I've heard great things about the company from from Benedict, and he appreciated that. And and he said that you were also a very good customer who just like started using the project, didn't ask any questions, didn't need any support, just like, <laughs> which is like, yeah. you know, the perfect customer for, we all know how nice that is. Um, and then also I, a former Gatsby employee, Sid, joined us and another friend from the internet that I met kind of when I was doing, when he was doing Gatsby stuff, but he's now more into Svelte Day and the developer advocate for GraphCMS. So it turned out to be like a great night. We had food, we had drinks, my dad and stepmom joined, and it was just like a really nice night where, yeah, everybody got along, and it was like, it was just a good, really good energy. Um, and I realized, nice. like, with all this traveling, I just needed, I've needed this more than I knew. Like, I needed to meet people, I needed that kind of energy of just having people in the room and chatting, and it doesn't all have to be business, but everybody kind of is on the same page, and yeah, it's been really good. The same thing here in Athens. And I feel like going to microconf growth will be even more of that kind of energy to give me that momentum to just be like, yes, doing this. Gonna go big. It's gonna be good. It's like, mm, where it's gonna happen. So, um, so I'm still, I'm happy that it's weird that it all happened within three weeks. <laughs> and like <laughs> ate my whole carbon budget, my you know money budget, my time budget <laughs> for the next you know year. But um, but we're just rolling with it. Uh, uh, I'm wondering like what your your mental budget will be like after like three uh, three weeks of doing this. Like I feel like uh, after, like just like one conference, like one microconf is plenty for me to be like mentally drained and exhausted for a couple of dates and not not able to do anything uh, other than like relaxing and uh, thinking about the stuff that happened I think if we if we look at the introvert extrovert scale I think we might not be on the exact same (laughs) (laughs) exact same position on that scale I also feel for me, it's kind of been two years where it's been more about the family, you know, and both because of, you know, world situation, but also because of my mother's illness. We've had, yeah. uh, for the people that know, she's got Alzheimer. Uh, so we've had kind of less socializing for both of those reasons, both in Norway, kind of in our house. And also, you know, uh, in the, the country as a whole, and we haven't been able to travel so I think so far I'm not, you know, I get a little tired from all this back and forth with airplanes and stuff, but still I still feel just very energized from all of all of the things up to this point. So I hope that that will continue into microconf and I'll probably need a couple of days when I come back, especially because of time, you know, time zones. Um, and that's where I need my system. So I think I'll keep up with the queen stuff, no problem. And then I'll give myself yeah. a set amount of days. And when those days are over, it's like full throttle uh, with with uh, both of my businesses, I guess. So, yeah. Well, this is uh, very uncohesive. Uncon- uh, co- con- con- I can't even, why can't I speak English? I've been speaking English for two weeks now with, with people. 
um, other than that, I think I wrote a little note that um, I'm also realizing if we're going to go all in with POW at some point in kind of a nearish future, we would will need to kind of take the back and in-house. So now we're using a backend as a service that does kind of end-to-end -end encryption for us. Um, but since this is such a big part of POW, I am thinking that we'll we'll get to a point where we need to kind of take this in-house and like have our own databases and create our own authentication with um, you know all this encryption things baked in, which is not that easy. But at the same time, two years ago when I started POW, I would be like, no way I'm doing this back end on my own. <laughs> but I've learned a lot in the last two years and I've learned that I am a, a decent um, programmer. <laughs> I've also learned that I know a lot more about backend and database than I did give myself credit for. Um, I actually have an education in this. I just haven't used it as much. And um, I started playing with it. So I think like a part of my power will be to keep on playing with these kind of encryption demos that I'm doing for talks. And then those will also kind of feed back into POW. So when we need to do this, I will be ready to at least lead the work and like do a lot of the work. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. you know, hire security people to do reviews and all of that kind of stuff. But it feels good that like that confidence has come the last two years. And I think that has a lot to do with being the queen, streaming, coding together with other people and kind of seeing what's out there has given me a lot more confidence in in my yeah. coding abilities. So that's that's nice to know or feel or yeah. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Over to you. Yeah, I, I'm not even sure what to tell. Like, I feel like last week was super busy, at least felt super busy. But looking back at it now, I'm not entirely sure what exactly I spent my time on. Um, so I don't, <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. Um, overall, um, what's nice is uh, Jane's uh, finally back, uh, back home and um, back at work. I mean... She was on vacation a couple of weeks ago, but then because of all the travels and uh, stuff that's happening, it was a little bit harder for her to get back. Um, so that that vacation got longer and longer and longer, and she's been working on and off a little bit. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. I think she's like me with like, I work the best at home in front of my desk with my mm -hmm. setup that I'm used to. And when I'm away, uh, traveling and just like have my tiny keyboard and the tiny screen <laughs> like my productivity isn't great <laughs> so it's good that she's back home and um yeah like contributing a little bit more uh, this week um but that meant that i've been doing a lot of customer support over the last couple of weeks and um doing a lot of um yes yeah, still product work um one of the things we finally picked up again is building the um CSV import stuff um, so people can easily migrate their lists from other tools. Um, and one of the big reasons why I'm doing this is uh, why we're doing this again is because like customer support just got a little bit crazier with like people requesting imports. <laughs> like we were kind of anticipating that when we built the marketing uh, email list feature. Uh, but after right, right after the launch, um, I was working on this because I thought like we'd need us immediately. 
but it took a while for people to actually start sending in those requests where they actually requested that feature. So yeah, got on the backburn a little bit in November and uh, yeah, but now like it's, it's getting to ridiculous levels where like a couple of emails per week of people wanting to import their lists. And unfortunately, most of them just send over a file <laughs> with no, with no instructions or no comments, basically <laughs> send it over and be like, can you please import that? And I open the file and I see like, it's a zip file. There are three files in there. Uh, which of those three do they want imported? What columns do they need? Do they really need whatever cryptic ID thing is in there from whatever other tool they uh, imported in? Um, and I wish they just like, give me better instructions of what they actually want me to do with those files and what columns to map the data to and what to ignore and stuff like that. So one way to deal with this is for us to just build this in the UI and let them drop in the file, have to select what they want to do with all the columns, which ones to ignore and then, then run it. But yeah, it turns out importing stuff is, is a difficult task. Like the, yeah, I was just it gonna... sounds easy from the outside, but there's so many moving parts to this that it's getting a little bit crazy. <laughs> but have you are you building this from scratch or you looked at some of the solutions? Because in last time I looked at at importing and exporting for Power, I found some like really good packages that had the UI and everything for like matching columns and doing all of that kind of thing that people uh, want from the UI and you you. Yeah, this is one of those things that people have solved <laughs> and which is not like a unique feature for your product. So it it's one of those things that could be um, kind of outsourced or it doesn't have to be something you, you build yourself. Yeah, um, it's a little bit tricky. Like I looked at some of those tools and in the end, they all didn't quite do the thing that mm -hmm. we wanted. And I think it played into... Um, like they all kind of expected that you have a fixed schema that the data gets imported into, and that's not the case with you. Oh yeah, this, that's um, not your case. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> because like, oh yeah, everyone can can, can basically yeah can basically set up whatever they want, and maybe there is a way to to do that, like um, uh, to do stuff like that with with those those tools. But it didn't seem immediately obvious how to do it, so um, we ended up. Um, uh, at least doing that part ourselves where we um mm -hmm. and we we're using a a a nice csv parsing library on the front end that mm -hmm. basically reads the file on your machine figures out the columns in the file and then presents it with a ui where you can map those columns to values in your system and have like drop downs and let you ignore stuff and and mm -hmm. all of that and only after that step we actually upload it to the service and process it on the server side so um, we're not writing it entirely from scratch, but a couple of pieces are indeed yeah. from scratch. Yeah. And, um, yeah, but still, I mean, uh, it's, it's just crazy. The amount of, <laughs> the amount of states this thing is in, uh, during just the creation of, of the entire thing and then the importing and steps that can fail. And yeah. And what if it fails halfway and what if it fails? Right. And something crashes and then the person has to map all the columns once more and they're going to be super pissed because they just spent a lot of time mapping all the columns. <laughs> right. And, yeah. 
And do you save like the immediate, like the, the intermediate state or uh, crazy stuff like that? And then on the server side, uh, we maintain a column on the account level where we count how many users they have. And sure, when they import 20,000 records, <laughs> we're updating that column 20,000 times, which isn't great either. <laughs> so like a, a lot of small little things here and there that make this harder than it looks from the from the outside. So yeah, we've been like, I'm not sure what how long it took me for the first version that was somewhat working. Uh, back in november uh, probably a week or two and now it's been like we're now in week two of like just the polishing state of that um but i'm fairly confident that we'll be able to ship it by the end of the week at least behind a feature flag for us to use internally um unless something crazy comes up and i get derailed again but uh, let's hope that doesn't happen so yeah that's the big the big thing we've been working on um the other thing I've been working on this week is finally getting back into the code base and um, refactoring all our code related to message rendering and previewing and delivering and test messages. Um, because at some point, I just realized that the solution I had initially, like from from the early days, was just like stupid and didn't make any sense. Uh, so uh, yesterday, I spent basically the entire day uh, ripping things out and moving moving them from one part of the code base to another part where it makes more sense. <laughs> so previously, I had like preview and test message uh, methods on like on campaigns and on broadcasts, and um, uh, they were all using like different other parts. And now I basically moved all of that into the message model, <laughs> so the message model can now render itself, it can preview itself. It can deliver itself and it can deliver a test message. So it feels like this is the right place for all of this logic <laughs> and it's not scattered around in a thousand pay, uh, uh, locations anymore. So yeah, that was one of those refactorings that felt good. And I think in the end, the code looked nicer and was easier and uh, easier to test and easier to maintain. Um, so yeah, hope it was worth it. So far, it didn't break, so I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> How do you do? You have any system for for deciding if you're gonna spend time on a refactor like that that is not user facing, or is it more a gut feeling decision? Uh, yeah, I think it's mostly a gut feeling decision, and also, I mean, I usually keep <laughs> I kept this code uh, around like the way it was for quite a while. But at some point you realize that it's blocking something and making things harder than it needs to. And um, we had a problem with like sending test messages last week. And um, as I said, like this was spread out in different background jobs and like totally different systems. And uh, and I, I noticed that like fixing the problems that I uh, encountered last week was a lot easier if I just cleaned this one part up and like unified everything and made it cohesive and then add a couple more tests and stuff like that. So it felt like a good time to to actually do this. Because um, that's one of hopefully the, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's one of the things I'm wondering, like how non-technical founders how they handle that because it's 
it's really hard to kind of know and make a really serious business case for that kind of thing. And when you have maybe like one developer, two developers, you're very dependent on kind of like what they feel should be done. And if you don't have that kind of insight yourself, it's, I don't know, we don't have to talk about it. It's just yeah, like I thought, yeah. but I guess like even in big companies, I guess this is the problem for everyone who can't code, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> and there probably are like systems that you can put in place when you have a larger team and all of that. But yeah, for like really small teams, it's it's going to be, and also to keep yourself from doing too much of that, which I think is is the the problem for a lot of technical founders, is, yeah. is yeah. wanting the code to be perfect and not just working. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. I, I feel like that's a hard balance to to find. And I'm not entirely sure who I discussed this with a couple of days ago. Um that this was actually a challenge for like when you're consulting for for a business. Like how do you justify work like that? Um and you can't like can you really like um uh like charge for it? Like mm-hmm you're basically making your life a little bit easier and but it's not adding any business value in that sense or not not in the immediate sense and do you bill for that or do you do that like do you sneak it in because you can't put it on the invoice as like i cleaned up the mess i made a year ago <laughs> um, yeah i think just the like normal keeping dependencies up to date and stuff like that it's hard to justify to a non-technical person in a way and i think that's where the hourly things kind of mess mess it up a little bit because if you think about it even more it's like if you clean this up you will be able to build less hours down the road (laughs) i mean if you start thinking about these things like really go into it you get into these loops where it's just like okay so if you, you you do this thing where the code is more cohesive and it's easier to fix bugs well then you're gonna get less money down the road but it's the ethical thing to do right but it's where that like hourly mindset really starts to mess with actual value and what are we you know doing because if you if you're more on the hook for being responsible for that for this thing being up and these features working then you could if you had like a slow week or something you could do that work because you're not billing hourly so that when a bug comes up it's going to be faster to fix because you're not getting paid by the hour like then then you can like do it when you have the mindset and you have the time and the energy to do it but if you're on the clock then it's like yeah exactly like that like how much do you clean how much do you build new features and then and then you know ethically if you just build new features for years and years like it's gonna come crashing down right (laughs) and whose responsibility is that so yeah yeah but this is why we left corporate or i left (laughs) corporate like we were never in corporate i don't know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I guess the trick is is knowing when to run, right? L- right, like uh, you build features and features and features, and then you have to time it perfectly, right? So you leave before it co- all comes crashing down. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or you wait until there's a new boss who's gonna be like, "Well, we're gonna redo the whole thing in a new language," and you'll be like, "Okay, I'm out." <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Um, Anything more? That's. Um, well, the only other thing that, that uh, occurred to me in all that process of like moving stuff around is that our test suite is getting slow. Um, and it's at a point where it gets annoying. Like mm. um, CI runs, like when we push to production, 
uh, take like 15 minutes now. So from Git push to actually deploy it on the servers, like 15 minutes, which is, I mean, in a way, like if things go smooth and everything's working, that's not too bad. And because like, doesn't matter if it's out now or 15 minutes later, but I noticed that when you mess stuff up, like 15 minutes is enough to lose context and to lose focus and attention. Um, so last week we, we, uh, we deployed a small, like a small bug that, as I mentioned, stopped, uh, test messages from working. Um, and we got an error message relatively quickly about that, but like the, the actually starting the deploy to getting the error message was like 30 minutes or so. Mm. <laughs> um, and that was enough to me to, to like confuse me and not immediately make the connection. Um, whereas in previous years, like you'd push like two minutes later, it's on there. You get a notification that something's broken. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the mental state is still kind of aligned. But uh, mm -hmm. fifteen or thirty minutes after, it's it's not anymore. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've been I've been wondering how to speed this up a little bit, but yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Um, what kind of test tools are you working with, and and what's your setup? Because I know that you've you've gotten suggestions before from like airing some some like technical. Uh, challenges yeah, on, on um, air. So maybe if you like, let us know a little bit more about the setup. Somebody DMs you with a tool that can solve <laughs> your your problems. Yeah, maybe. Um, so on the back end, we're using RSpec um, as uh, the test testing framework. And I think the biggest problem isn't necessarily that individual tests are small, but it's just a ton of tests. Like I, I did the math earlier today. We have like sixteen k tests um and they as i said like run in like 15 minutes so it's 17 tests per second or something like that which is still like if you if you look at it like this it's it's not too bad but still the entire test suite is way too slow um so i've been looking or thinking about like paralyzing it a little bit but i'm not entirely sure like how to do this in a reasonable way but I guess it has to come come down to something like that because right now it's one process that processes the entire 16k tests in, linearly, mm. and if we could just like split this up, I guess we can half cut it in half. Is there any like that. is but, there any way to run only run tests that are concerned with the code that has been changed? Uh. Especially locally, yes, though. and yeah, locally, like locally, I'm having, I'm running, I'm using a test runner that basically just checks the file that got saved or the related test. So that's fine, like for like most of the development cycle. But when you get to the end of it, I still kind of want to run the entire thing because, mm. I mean, obviously, who knows what else I broke in the in the process, and that's the part where it gets a little bit painful. Uh, because um, yeah. I press the button, the entire test suite runs, and locally it's a little bit faster. It only takes like eight minutes, but it's still like it's still a long time. And sometimes you use those eight minutes to continue working on the code because, like, once it's running, it's like it doesn't pick up code changes anymore. 
but then you change the code and then something fails and you look at the code and the thing that failed and it didn't match anymore. So <laughs> basically, maybe you fixed it, maybe you, maybe you made it worse. <laughs> yeah, it's like eight, eight minutes of work uh, lost more or less. Um, so I don't know. I have to figure something out to make it faster. And I guess one way to do it is to run it in parallel because... Like I have one test that takes a second and everything, like all other tests are sub one second. So I feel like individual test speed isn't, isn't a problem in this case. Yeah. So, yeah. I think it's one of those. I don't know. It's one of those problems, right? It's one of those things that there aren't any quick solutions to and that does grow and that's yeah. why it becomes, that's why developers or at least consultants often don't want to work on older projects or like what they call is, do they do, do they call it brownfield i learned that like brownfield are like <laughs> you know the muddy <laughs> messy yeah, yeah, older yeah, yeah. projects and then you have greenfield projects where the test suites run instantly because you haven't instantly. even added tests yet <laughs> because you haven't had uh, right. the reason to do it yet so yeah um yeah but maybe somebody out there has some suggestions for you and it's ruby isn't it yeah it's yeah. ruby um um, yeah, I'd love to know like how other people solve this, or if I'm just like complaining too much and 15 minutes uh, CI runtime isn't too bad after all. I mean. Yeah, let us know if yours is like an hour or two or three. <laughs> right. So Benedict can <laughs> feel help good. Me, help me, yeah, like help me feel better about this. <laughs> maybe though, maybe Anyways. we've been talking about you know physical and mental health, and maybe you could say that okay my test running time is my yoga time or my stretching time or my jumping jacks time or something like that where you keep your mind sharp and you don't start working on something else and you also get you know that boring stuff done like create a habit out of it that that Maybe, could be positive yeah. yeah that reminds me of that xkcd uh, cartoon thing where they like uh, fencing, in yes, front of sword the fighting on, 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 on chairs, yes. <laughs> and boss comes checking, What are you doing? Yeah, compiling. Ah, yeah, okay, okay go, go ahead. <laughs> I know this, it's legend. I think I saw that in university, so that has to be 10 years it's ago, it's ancient, but oh, yeah, 15, 12. I don't even know when I finished university. Yeah, that's an ancient, ancient one, but uh, but a solid one, like it it's it's gonna still holds true today still holds true <laughs> even though like cpu speeds quadrupled or whatever since then <laughs> yeah that was my only suggestion can you get the test to run on the better machine like can you pay so that you get more power where you are running it yeah probably uh that might be might be another thing to do um but yeah, I guess like first I look into just running it in parallel, like splitting it up somehow and like spawning three workers instead of one or so. I guess that sounds like them. To me right now, unless someone has a better idea, sounds like the best solution. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. If anyone um, is have going a nice, to, uh, but if anyone's going to MicroConf US, let me know so we can chat a little bit before we we head over and we could have a meetup again 
Yeah, um, slow and steady meetup without me in uh, at my in all the guys. cities. <laughs> I tried to see if anybody was in Athens, but I haven't got any. And if you are listening to this, I am back home in Oslo, so uh, it will be too late. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, but if you're um, in Minneapolis or going to MicroConf in the beginning of April, um, let me know. And other than that, I guess see you around the interwebs. Yep. Have a nice uh, evening in Athens. Thank you. Bye.